Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste! As usual, this is uh, this podcast is inspired by early morning listening to uh, usually BBC World Radio, which is on early in the morning before uh, before the local United States in Maine, where I am right now. Uh, radio station actually takes over, so I, I get to hear this this wonderful semi global but westernized view of the world um, as I'm waking up in the morning usually. And uh, this morning is uh, was a nice juxtaposition that I heard first um, on the BBC. They were talking about how this was, they were talking about the age of exploration, the age of enlightenment, and that we were now entering, they said entering, which I will... Um, I will disagree with um, <laughs> uh, in a minute, but they said that we were entering an age of anger, um, which was an interesting way of thinking about it, and I had never thought about it that way. Um, although the, the signs are very obvious, and, and I very specifically was even talking about that in my last pod podcast on the winter solstice, um, which was the, the age of the, that we were in a a very masculine, um, contracting, sort of fighting sort of age time period that we, we would been in. Um, not necessarily fighting, but that we, it was a very masculine, sort of aggressive stage. And um, so it, you know, it resonated with me when they said that we were in the age of fighting. Um, anger, age of anger. And... But then it was very interesting. Oh, and they they went into a bunch of things, and they interviewed um, some people about various different things. It, it wasn't actually that meaningful, um, or maybe I was just distracted by thinking about, oh wow, what does that mean? And thinking about my own philosophy. So I may just have totally tuned out anything that they actually were doing that was interesting. But the point was that that um, they were talking about all the protests. And the, um, obviously the wars and stuff, but it was very interesting because nearly immediately after that, um, the local news came on and, or the, I should say, the United States news came on and, uh, public radio NPR morning edition came on and they almost immediately launched into a story, um, about how the uh, the president Obama had visited with um, the Japanese president at um, at Pearl Harbor to you know to sort of acknowledge and reconcile and sort of put that to a rest that you know we had been in this great war against one another and now we're coming back together and 
um, you know, sort of reconciling our differences and, and rejoining our efforts at, at uh, working together, and moving forward, and so on and so forth. But anyway, um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the Japanese leader there. Um, it, it, it's at the top of my head, and I just want to say Narendra Modi, and that's totally not it. <laughs> but that's the name that stuck into my head. Um, I, I do actually remember his name, but I can't think of it right now. Um, and they were, oh, it was really beautiful, actually. They were talking about how uh, there was there's sort of a viewing portal, I guess, um, that you can see where the ship um, sunk, and they dropped some flowers into it, and it was, it was very moving, actually. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. Um, but then that is the Japanese. They're, they're very poetic, um, for the most part. They're, they're poetic in both battle and in, in reconciliation. Um, so my point was that the, these two things were juxtaposed right next to one another, and which was another reason why I was like, see, I, it, it's not the, the beginning of the age of anger. It's the end of the age of anger. Um, and, and then you also look at, um, I'm not sure if they actually reported on this right immediately after, but it's been big in the news recently, um, that Trump, well, I actually said his name. I'd been saying the Donald, um, <laughs> don't like saying his name. I don't know why. Maybe because he, he sort of, he's, he banks on his name and uh, name recognition. And I, you know, sort of like Lord, Lord Voldemort. He's, you know, the name that I don't want to say. Um, the Donald. Anyway, uh, his, if you look at him, you know, you might think that he was very angry and, and they were in the anger segment. I, they also were talking about voters and how the whole Brexit thing happened, and how the Donald was elected, and and just the whole anger at politicians, and the fact that you know most people weren't voting for something; they were voting against something, um, out of fear and anger and whatever you want to call it. So people were thinking that that was the beginning of the anger, but it's actually the end of the anger because if you look at what the Donald is doing, um, on one hand, we have Obama reconciling with the Japanese, who are our great enemy, who were our great enemy in World War II. Um, one of, obviously, a number, but, um, I mean, we've already sort of made peace with the Germans, <laughs> and we really like the Germans, at least in some elements, um, we're buddy-buddy with them, uh, but, uh, the Japanese, you know, we, I mean, we were still peaceful with the Japanese, but that this sort of, this sort of the end of the, it puts a nice finality to the anger that we had with Japanese um, in sort of a formal way. And on the other hand, who were our other great enemies um, after World War Two? I mean, during sort of, the, and everything, but after World War II, our great enemies were um, Russia, USSR. And so what is the Donald doing? He's buddy-buddying up with Russia. And sort of bringing that to a close, bringing that fight to a close. 
And, um, and now we're still, you know, we've, we've still got a few things out there. There's North Korea, of course, and China's always got issues in the Middle East and everything like that. But, but my point was that, you know, the, that people were thinking that this was the beginning of this stage of fight, um, whereas I see it as the end of the stage of fight. If you look at the, the past century, what has been the past century? We started with World War I, a hundred years ago, almost to this time period. I mean, you know, within a few past years, um, we had World War I a hundred years ago. And then it just, there was just a whole century, practically, of just fighting with one another. And now that looks like it might be ending because of this global communication, global interaction. We have both um, the, the, inter the planetary nervous system that brings around the information with the internet and, you know, other communication systems, telephones, and whatnot. And uh, we also are beginning, we have a pretty solid global um, network for circulatory system. We have, you know, mailing systems, we have shipping, we have, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I've told this story before, but um, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago or so, um, I fell madly in love with this band uh, from, well, they're, they're from the Netherlands, but they mostly play in Germany. So they had a German fan club. Uh, they didn't have one in the Netherlands because they almost never play in the Netherlands because they, they live on the right on the border of the northeastern border of the Netherlands, which is right next to Germany. So they end up actually playing in Germany. I guess Germany has a, a more a more lively. Uh, it's a it's a Irish folk group mostly um, folk group definitely, but mostly Irish stuff, almost all Irish stuff. With a few Dutch songs thrown in there for good measure. Um, actually, one of my favorites of theirs is a Dutch song uh, called Wat zal ik drinken, which is, uh, what should we drink? And it's a drinking song. Um, and it's just done so beautifully by, by this band. Oh, the band is called Rapalia, R-A-P-A-L-J-E, um, which means sort of, um, um, oh, I always get this confused. They said it's rascal, but it's not rascal. It's, um, uh, like a rabble rouser, rabble repalia, um, is where the word comes from, rabble. Uh, but anyway, um, so they played in Germany most of the time, and they had this this German fan club, and I tried going on their website to order some fan merchandise, anything. I was just so excited about this band. I wanted, like, the t-shirt and whatever. And they didn't sell anything to the United States. You couldn't actually order something from the United States. Um... I, you know, I even emailed them and I said, you know, is there any way I could get something? And so what I ended up doing finally was contacting the fan club in Germany and saying, I'm in the United States. I'm madly in love with this band. I would love anything, um, you know, even just an autographed picture because I'd seen on the, that they were giving it, you know, that they, they had autographed photos that they were, and they were very cute pictures um, that they were, they were doing at their concerts. And um, so I, when I contact, okay, so here's the, the, the international, global, circulatory, and nervous system working um, here with Germany, who used to be our enemy, remember? Um, so I 
emailed them in German. I don't speak German. I put into Google Translate what I wanted to write, and I worked really hard to make it as simple as possible and as clear as possible because, you know, the Google Translate isn't perfect. You know, it's just a computer algorithm trying to do the best with what it knows. Um, so I worked really hard to make things as simple as possible so that I figured my translations were pretty good, um, pretty clear. And so I emailed them in German asking for, you know, anything, <laughs> anything that they could send me, um, you know, and I said I'd pay for shipping or whatever, you know, I could, I could give them some money, um, which I didn't know how that would work because there's no good, that's the one really interesting thing that, uh, I'll do another episode on this about money, but, um, interesting that, that one of the things that's hardest to do is to move money around. Um, I have learned that fairly recently, even to a harder extent, to a more deep extent. Um, but anyway, so I, I emailed them in German. I don't speak German. They got the email. Turns out they speak English fluidly, fluently, and I didn't need to do that. But um, they emailed me back in English <laughs> um, and uh, said, oh, yeah, that's that's great. We'll totally send you something. And, uh, you know, the next time we, you know, were at their concert, because these people actually um, worked for or worked with, I'm a little confused, um, but I'm pretty sure they work for uh, the the festival circuit that the band plays in. So they were there a lot, um, around the band a lot. And so anyway, so eventually, they, yes, they did, in fact, send me this beautiful little care package from Germany with um, a bunch of little goodies in it, including an autographed little postcard thing, um, and, and some other just really nice goodies, including a CD, a promotional CD, and and uh, and they never actually asked for any money, um, and I would have gladly paid it to them, um, but again, it, it was complicated, so what I ended up doing is made a little care package from them, from them, from Maine, and I said, you know, is there anything you want from Maine? And the guy did say he wanted lobster. Um, However, I was not about to send a lobster. A me being a vegan, uh, that was not an option. Uh, but also, sending a lobster would have been really expensive, and I I had almost no money at the time. But I did put a little care package together with some maple candies and some maple leaves, and uh, a little bag that I'd made with a rapalia, um little designy thing on it, um, and sent that off to them in Germany. So this was this amazing interaction between previous enemies, you know, enemies, you know, murderous enemies of the world. And now we were actually connected and sharing goodies and delight and joy. And that's the future. So we're ending this age of fight. What comes next? Well, there are a variety of different ways of, of looking at the patterns that our universe goes through. Um, but one of the simplest ways that I've recently rediscovered or discovered or something um, is that we go through um, four different stages. There are the stages of learning, which are also the stages of grief, and I'll, I'll link to that on my blog post about this. Um, but that's the the stages of grief are loopy posts that I made years ago, and there's a little diagram of that which may or may not make any sense to you. Um, it, it It's just borderline makes sense to me because I have a hard time with the three and four dimensions 
that that things move through because obviously our our reality as far as we know it is four dimensional i mean there are probably more dimensions that we're not aware of but um the ones that we can be aware of and sort of map things in easily uh are four dimensional and i have a hard enough time with two dimensions <laughs> so my little my little diagram of these stages of grief is in and stages of learning which is the same thing we grieving is the learning process um, and we can do it in two different ways when we, we we can either react to a positive event and that we call that the stages of grief or we can react to a i mean sorry we can react to a negative event a negative event which is the stages of grief or we can react to a positive event which is we generally call the stages of learning or joy or whatever um, but they're the same loopy process no matter what we're reacting to uh, it's still this learning process of incorporating new information that was a surprise to us. Um, and there are a variety of different ways to, to map that loop. To I mean, because it's it's an analog loop, um, like I was talking about in my previous podcast, the Solstice podcast about the turning points. Um, you know, this is analog. This is, this is cyclical or spiral in, uh, it's like a corkscrew or a helix. Um, like a spring, you know, a change that, uh, so things move in various different directions and they move around, but they flow. They're, they're not rigid. Uh, there are no, you know, real corners, uh, sharp edges. So when things change, it's hard to say, you know, you can't say, okay, this is the exact point where things change because every moment there is a change. So when we describe patterns and growth and change, there, there are an infinite number of ways you can do it. You can divide it into every single moment, and every single moment can even be broken down into the, you know, smaller pieces. So when we describe patterns and changes in reality, in four-dimensional reality of three dimensions of space and one dimension of time that we're aware of, there are millions of different ways that we can describe it. So which is why you, off, you you see so many people describing things in so many different ways. Every different way is true, or, you know, at, at least it's, you know, as accurate as possible, given the limitations of how we're describing things at the moment, how we see things, and how we're just, and the, of course, the words are the real tripping up point communication via these sort of two-dimensional sounds or, or words on a piece of paper that are two-dimensional is obviously a huge limitation in describing a four-dimensional reality. Um, at least we have the time period to work with with words. You know, one word comes after another, so we tell a story. It's still only three dimensions. Um, but, so these, these, this process of change, one of the ways that I've learned recently to describe it, um, in addition to the more complex ways that I've done before, which I use in the storytelling workshops and in the um, speaking up process, if you go and look for that. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a, my first official workshop on the speaking up process in another few weeks in January. If you happen to be around uh, Eastern Central Maine, um, <laughs> please come. It's happening in Stockton Springs, Maine at the town office. I'm crossing my fingers that there isn't a big storm, which there probably will be, but I only live like a couple hundred yards away from the town office, so <laughs> I can get there. So I'll probably be there as long as uh, anybody else wants to be there. 
Uh, but anyway, so the, the recent one that I've learned, um, which is really kind of fun because it absolutely maps easily onto the MBTI, Myers-Briggs personality categories, um, of the, the, the first two, which are the physical and emotional categories, which are the introvert versus extrovert, um, is the first physical category, and then the emotional category, which is second person, is the sensing versus intuiting, which, again, words, <laughs> um, not very useful in it. They confuse so many people. I, I mean, I don't know a single person who really understands the MBTI well. Even Myers-Briggs, the, the mother and daughter team who put the whole thing together, you know, they, they of course, didn't understand all of it. They were doing the best they could. And, and they did a, a very good job, a very thorough job, if you actually read the book Gifts Differing, which was their first book about it. Um, so the Bible of it. Um, they did a, they did a very good job, but uh, even reading that, you you know you can see that they're they're pretty confused about it. Um, but anyway, the um, these first two categories, the physical and emotional categories um, of our personality, clearly are the most you know foundational of our you know our our day to day experience, our day to day interactions with the world. I mean, obviously the other two affect everything as well. Uh, especially the the fourth person, which is our, our sort of philo philosophy of life, our our belief system, um, that obviously affects everything too. But the physical and emotional are sort of the the meat and the heart, literally, you know, the the physical meat of our bodies and what we do, and the emotional, which is the you know how we interact with our immediate environment, right right second person, right there. Um, so those are the two that are, are very strongly associated with personality. And I've realized recently, there's also a paper that I'm, I've been researching and then sort of put down because I got kind of overwhelmed. And then I was trying to do a printout at the library and their printers, they have issues um, at that little library. Um, but the printer wasn't really working. And so I ended up having issues printing out the thing, which sort of threw me off my threw me off my game playing with that, playing around with the study um, that had come out. The study, what's the study called? Oh, I should get into it later, but I'll mention it here since I've already got it. Uh, the paper was called Humans Display a Reduced Set of Consistent Behavior Phenotypes in Dyadic Games. So it's kind of a game theory um, approach, and the idea was apparently that this was all, um, well, I mean, not all, but... Uh, a lot of this was um, done through sort of an algorithm. They called it AI, I guess. But um, the idea was that it was the the outcome of this, the patterns that were seen in all these different behaviors, were input as um, big data. They were just dumped. It was just a big data dump of the results of these studies, these psychology studies, game theory studies. And then the algorithm sort of sorted out the different categories. And the categories it came up with um, pretty closely matched, not again in the words description, but in the, the, the description of what these people were actually doing, um, very closely matched the four basic uh, sets of things in the, the first two categories of the MBTI, so the physical and emotional. Um, and 
what those are are the um, the four categories are the extrovert sensing types, the introvert sensing types, the introvert intuiting types, and the extrovert intuiting types. Um, and I'll link to a little diagram that I have of that, which makes it nice and easy in these four little quadrants in this little cube, um, and it goes around in a circle or a loopy sort of thing um, that shows that. And that's actually that I got from the MBTI book, Myers-Briggs Gifts Differing book, um, this nice little quadranty thing with these four different types on them. And um, I had been talking about those types as um, in the form of the DSM descriptions. And, oh, <laughs> somebody's telling me something. You probably heard that. Um, so I had been talking about these things in the MBTI uh, category, combining them with the DSM, and that's the diagram that I'll link in my blog, the DSMBTI <laughs> diagram, um, and calling them, uh, well, the terminology I said was um, the extroverts, um, we call hyperactive, excuse me, the extroverts we call hyperactive, the introverts we call uh, depressed, physically depressed, um, the sensing types we call avoidant personality, and the intuiting types we call ADD, and extrovert and AD, I mean the extrovert and the intuiting types are the healthy ones, um, relative, you know, relatively, uh, but we pathologize everything. So even, even a healthy person is pathologized. So the most healthy types of personality types out there, the, um, extrovert intuiting types are, um, are pathologized as ADHD types. It's because everyone else looks at them and says, oh my God, these people are crazy. They can't focus. They're just so crazy. They're all over the place. And it's, but that's actually the healthy human state, which is to be sort of exuberant and enthusiastic and wanting to play and do all kinds of things and, and getting bored with stupid stuff. Uh, but anyway, so there are these four categories um, that these combinations make up. And I called those four categories um, histrionic. And histrionic is the extrovert sensing type which is also the um, hyperactive and avoidant, which you can see is kind of a conflicting <laughs> if you're avoidant, but you're also um, enthusiastic and hyperactive and want to do stuff. So it's, you're avoidant emotionally, but you're physically expressive. Um, so that causes this, like, this agitation, this, this anxiety in a certain way. Um, and that turns out to be what I call the fight group. Um, so this is this, this anger energy or this, this anxiety energy of like, I'm uncomfortable with the world. Um, I'm avoidant. I'm a little hesitant about it. I'm slightly wary of it. Um, but I'm really enthusiastic about going out there. And that ends up um, under stress becoming the fight response. The second category is the um, introvert sensing. And that's introvert is the, depress the physically depressive and the emotionally avoidant. Um, and I call that the Asperger's type. Um, not <laughs> autism, yes, but autism is 
a more specific thing in the DSM, whereas Asperger's, I know, is not technically in the DSM anymore, but ASD spectrum, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's, there's some people on that, that that you wouldn't actually ever think of as being on the Asperger's or autism end of the spectrum. So that's why I, I hesitate to call it that. But it is that, that sort of depressive and avoidant personality where you're physically low energy and you're emotionally wary of interacting with your environment. You're very in introverted, you're extremely introverted, um, both emotionally and physically. And that is what I call in the, the D, for the DSM, I call that, uh, that's the depressive and avoidant, which equals the, as I said, ASD or Asperger's type. Um, and that turns out to be the flight response which makes sense because you're just withdrawing inwards both physically and emotionally uh, when under stress. And then the next category, the third category, is the introvert and intuiting. Now, the intuiting is the emotionally healthy, uh, which we call ADD in the DSM. <laughs> emotionally healthy people are attention deficit, right? Okay. Um, pathologize everything, um, along with the depressive, the physically depressive. So you have this emotionally expressive type, emotionally wanting to connect with other people and, and liking other people and wanting to play. Um, a, a better a better word for the uh, N that they use for intuiting in the MBTI, I think I say is nurturing. You have a very nurturing personality um, because it's high estrogen for that type, for the Ns. Um, and that type I call in the DSM, I call it the depressive plus ADD. Uh, which again, as you can see, is, is quite the quite the contradiction, and that ends up being those two those things combined in the DSM ends up being borderline personality, um, which is kind of the polar opposite of histrionic, but it's why it seems very similar because in one case in one case you're you're uh, expressive and wanting to output stuff, and then in the other case you're you're contracting and wanting to stay away from stuff. So you've got these, these contradictory things. Uh, but in one, in one case it's physical and in the other case it's emotional and vice versa. So, um, this introvert intuiting type, uh, which is also the borderline type, um, of the INs is, turns out to be the flight group. Uh, sorry, the freeze group, um, and that's what the borderline is. You're literally freezing. Um, you're stopping. You're like physically unable to move because you don't know which direction to go. You don't know whether you want to contract inward or connect outward, um, first person or second person. So, uh, so that's the freeze response. We have now fight, flight, and freeze. And the final one, which I only just totally recently, within the past couple of weeks, um, gave a name to properly, um, I had seen it called appease, which was actually fairly new to me as well. Um, but I was, but, and, and appease is, is okay, but, um, and actually an, a term that's actually used in real psychology, um, in normal understanding is flow. 
And a lot of people wouldn't understand that this is the healthy end of things because, of course, the DSM has to pathologize everything. So instead of thinking of it as a positive thing, they called it a pease and they said, oh, it's, you know, they're not actually doing something good. They're just like pretending. But in fact, this last group, the extroverts who are intuiting, which in the DSM pathologized view is the <laughs> hyperactive and ADD, so ADHD group, um, that's actually the very, the totally healthy group, the physically expressive, the physically healthy, and the emotionally healthy, expressive, emotionally comfortable group with their environment. Um, that is where you get flow. You get this flow state, which Csikszentmihalyi, Mihaly, Csikszentmihalyi, that guy that no one can ever spell his name, um, except him, of course, and probably a few of his good friends who've memorized it, um, who I will link to, uh, wrote the book on flow and uh, discovered or, or more identified this, this state that we often call getting into the zone, um, where you're just, you're just so creative and so connected with what you're doing on a physical and emotional level that you, you can just kind of do anything. And that works for anything, uh, whether it's sports or doing science or, you know, acting or music or anything. You can get into the flow doing pretty much anything, politics, whatever. Whatever you're doing, you can get into it in a physically and emotionally way so passionately that things just kind of flow out of you easily. It's, it just feels like a joy to do. Um, and that is the fourth state. So we have fight, flight, freeze, and flow. And these are all personality types that humans have, um, some more than others. Uh, the, there's a, it's not equally balanced, I should point out. There are far more fighters right now. And that brings me back all the way back to the beginning, which is we're ending that stage of fight. We're in this past century, we've been in this fight stage of our society where the extroverts and sensing types have been um, not necessarily in power, although definitely in power, but, but as a, a sort of a social norm, a social way of approaching one another has been this sort of socially anxious but aggressive and, and enthusiastic, physically enthusiastic approach. And that has brought us both good things and bad things, of course. Um, obviously, you know, there are... There, ag aggressive doesn't necessarily mean fighting. Aggressive can be sort of a, you know, the fact that we went to the moon. Um, I mean, that was a fighting that came out of fighting. Uh, but you can have good things coming out of fighting. Um, if you, if you're careful and you're intelligent and you're, you know, creative, whatever. Um, but we have been in this, this stage of, you know, I think fighting is, is not necessarily the perfect term for it, but we've, we've got this set of terms of fight, flight, freeze, and flow now as the fourth one. Um, but it's definitely been a, an era of aggressive sort of physical output, but emotionally, you know, anxiety, sort of not quite sure of ourselves or, or our connection with one another. And we're ending that, as far as I can tell. This very rapid change in the past, you know, five to ten years or so of politics and 
and government and commerce and the internet, oh my goodness, the internet, um, connecting us all and shipping and everything, um, you know, we are now moving away from the fight. So what's next? What's the next pattern? Well, flight, as far as I can tell. Now that sounds kind of bad. Ooh, does that mean we're going to be running around scared? Um, yes and no. Again, every, each one of these personality types um, is useful for something. And is, I mean, there's a reason why evolution creates all this diversity, and that's to increase the flexibility of life. Each combination, different combination of, of genes and environment and everything like that um, allows us to be flexible when something new happens. So this is actually up and coming. We're going to see an age where the autistic Asperger's types are actually going to be able to flourish. They're going to be the ones who are going to guide us. And now the more extreme types, of course, again, as just with the more extreme types of the fighters, that can create some of the more dangerous stuff. Um, but the less extreme and the more um, balanced types, which are the... Um, and the MBTI, that would be the ISTPs and the ISFPs, and, and to some extent the ISTJs um, are the more slightly more balanced ones. And they all have extremely valuable things to add to us. Uh, the, the ISFPs are the new agey ones. And that's also the very next level after the Obama level of the, I, I apologize, back in my previous post, uh, my previous blog, I said, uh, podcast and blog, I said uh, Obama was 1111, and there are only three ones. I, I added an extra one. It's the first person, second person, and third person output, so it's 111, just three ones, and then the zero on the end. Um, for the, the zero means judging on the fourth person. Um, so the next stage after the, this sort of creative commons, whatever you want to call it, uh, that the, that the Obama represented and the European Union represented of the first person, second person, and third person elements of society working together, collaboratively outputting stuff. The stage after this is the fourth person output and everything else is input. And on the MBTI, that is the ISFP. And that's the new agey types. That is the woo-woo, that is the most woo-woo, um, just kind of inexplicable. They don't understand much of anything, but they're positive. Damn it. <laughs> they look at the world and they say, the world is beautiful. I, it's totally crazy and I can't understand a damn thing out there. Wow, isn't it amazing? It's like magic. Which is why I've been talking about magic a lot lately. Because I'm a little bit, I'm definitely perceiving. I'm not ISFP. I'm mostly the opposite of that. I'm INTP. So I don't have a lot to share with that. But I have a good friend, who, good buddy, who is ISFP. And um, and I get to, I get to see her mind work and her her 
philosophy of life. And she is a very depressive person, and she is socially avoidant, and she is not very well intellectually. She's not at all exploratory um, or creative on an intellectual level. Um, but she's got this this dogged determination of, yes, we've got to do something better. The world is, is a beautiful place. There's something out there for all of us. And she's just got that in her. And she's, she's the, what's next? She's what's coming next politically. And now, yes, that is a freeze. I mean, that is a flight stage. She, you know, she doesn't go out a lot. She stays home. She's mostly on the internet on her phone when she connects with people. Uh, she's on Facebook a lot. Um, she, when she does go out, she doesn't go out very far. She doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard for her to, to travel too far. She feels uncomfortable with it. Um, and she stays, she's kind of a homebody. She takes care of her, her daughter and she, you know, helps out with her husband and the three of them form this nice little unit. And she has another daughter who she sees once in a while. Um, she hangs out in her community. She's very community based. So that's the future as far as I can tell. It's flight. It's avoidant. It's depressed. But it's also got this fourth person, this philosophical wonder, which is where the magic comes from. I don't know anything about all this other stuff, but I do know that the world is a beautiful place and I'm open to it. Uh, so we're going to see a whole lot more of like the Buddhist mentality coming in this mindset of, of new agey, age of Aquarius, kind of like wonder at the universe. And that's going to be a little annoying to a whole lot of other people <laughs> who don't think that way. Um, but it is the future and it, and it has so much potential to help us. Um, so this, this flight might end up being bad for some people certainly obviously we see flight we're seeing so much flight right now in the world how many people are refugees how many people are fleeing literally fleeing their countries their societies their cultures to get out of that that fight area that that sort of mentality of a negative judgmental uh you know, sort of avoid, not avoid, uh, philosophy of worrying and, and focusing on the negative and the past. And they're, they're literally fleeing this. So we're seeing the flight coming out, emerging from the fight. And yes, the flight is scary and sometimes ends up being harmful. But on the whole, we see this positive movement away from the, the aggressive approach and towards a more open-ended, working with reality, doing magic, real magic, not understanding what we're doing, but we're going to be doing amazing things, which is literally what science is doing right now. There's, talk to a scientist, especially a physicist, and they're going to say, we don't have a clue what's going on. We're so confused. But it's amazing. Look at what we can do. We're discovering so many things. I'm 
I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I'm on this community on Reddit called Futurology, which kind of got taken over and turned into just basically technology and science, uh, because the technology and science Reddits were overbearingly run and run by totalitarian authoritarian types who didn't actually want anything magical going on. So the Futurology, the Futurology Reddit um, ended up taking over the this uh, this sort of future mindset of of being open to whatever reality has to offer us, whatever the universe really is doing and being open to that and saying, yeah, we might not know what we're doing, but this is amazing. So I look at this Reddit every single day. Well, I don't look at it every single day, but every single day that that it's there, you'll see something just totally unexpected every single day and probably more than one thing totally unexpected that's just wonderful. And it's like, whoa, how did we do that? That's amazing. And that's magic. That's real magic. You don't know what you're doing, or you don't know what something is happening. You know, you can't understand the science of something, but it's really happening and it's really there. Uh, and it and it may just be that your perspective is missing. You know, one side of it is you're not looking at the whole picture, obviously. So you're only seeing one element of it, and so you can't see. Just like the the woman in the box being sawed in half, you know, you're not seeing inside the box what's happening you're only seeing on the outside and so that's what our future is going to be like and this probably has a lot to do this this flight now that we're moving into stage is probably has a lot to do with um virtual reality and quantum physics and some other stuff, storytelling, uh, mythology, and entertainment, but for an educational purpose, and guiding us, inspirational art. Um, all of these things are going to connect us to reality, connect us to the patterns of the universe and the flow of the universe, and how things really work. But we're not going to understand a whole lot of it. And a lot of it is going to be invisible to everyone else. Like virtual reality, you know, if you have these virtual reality goggles on, or if at some point in the near future we have like implants or contact lenses or whatever, that's totally going to exclude everyone else. People are going to be really withdrawing into themselves. Um, this this introvert and sensing type is, is very, um, you know, very withdrawn relative to the rest of the world, relative to their environment. So we're going to see a lot of that, and a lot of people are going to be really disturbed about that. But that's how things flow. And that means that we're going to, we're going to contract inwards in a, in a sort of Buddhist sense, in a reconnecting, a meditative sense. Um, we're going to pull back from interacting with one another on an aggressive stance, and we're going to sort of refocus ourselves and say, What's meaningful to us? What am I all about? What is inside me? What is this? What is this physical body? What is? Where is the edge of my physical body and interacting with the the universe? Um, what is that all about? So yeah, so that's where I see us going. We're moving from the age of fight to the age of flight, but in a meditative way, in a in a open to the universe. Uh, perceiving woo-woo-y type way. So, um, yeah, interesting. 
that's where we're going next. So, okay, that was a lot of rambling. And uh, I've had fun with it. I hope you did too. Anyway, yes, um, if you want to contact me, uh, please do so. I would be very happy. Um, any questions, comments, anything, rants, raves, whatever you got for me, I'd love it. Um, my email is thewiseturtle, T-H-E-W-I-S-E-T-U-R-T-L-E, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L dot com. Uh, my Reddit username is turl, T-U-R-I-L. And uh, so if you go there, you can find everything I post. And I've also started a community on Reddit called The Examined Life, which is for open-ended sort of questions um, for one another, exploring ourselves. It's just, a, it's really an open-ended um, philosophy discussion, but everything from, you know, from health, physical health, to emotional psychology, to intellectual exploration, and on to philosophy. All of it's included there. So if you have a question, or if you want to answer some questions, come on over there um, to Reddit. Uh, so if you go to reddit.com slash r slash the examined life, spelled exactly how it sounds, um, you'll find that community. It's a little slow right now, but there, you know, it could pick up at any moment. It was actually, there were several things going on when I first started it. That's kind of quiet. I haven't done a lot there. Um, but anyway, join me there. Um, and you can also, I'm going to be starting a Twitch live stream TV show interactive thing, whatever you want to call it. And all the kids are doing it. Um, um, and I, I am investing myself in this. And hopefully the internet is the, the one thing that I can't really, I suppose I could, I could ask to up the internet with my landlord and give her some more money. Um, but we'll try it with the internet that we have. Um, but I'm going to be doing that pretty soon. And my username on Twitch, if you want to follow me there, you do have to join Twitch, but it's free. Um, if you want to follow me, you, if you just want to watch Twitch, um, you can do that as well. You don't have to be a member. Um, but in order to follow me on Twitch, so you get notifications when I do go live, um, you have to join. Um, my username there is my full name, which is Turl Kronberg, T-U-R-I-L-C-R-O-N-B-U-R-G. And I will put links to all of these things, hopefully that I remember, in the blog post. So if you go to turl.org, T-U-R-I-L dot O-R-G, that will bring you to my blog, which has these podcasts on it. And you should be able to find all the links there if you need to. Okay, I will leave you with that. And um, I wish you all the best in this beginning of this new age, new year, new everything. And namaste.